welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. This episode is a special one to me. It's one of the sessions from our Higher Ed Insights Summit 2023. If you'd rather watch the session than listen, go ahead and find all those on the Enrollment Insights blog at niche.bz insights. And under the Enrollment Insights blog in the menu, choose Higher Ed Insights Summit. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you are. It is one o'clock in Pacific time, and I'm happy to spend my post-lunch hour with this community, and I'm excited to talk to you in a webinar format, so it's going to be interesting because I can't see y'all, y'all can see me, but um, hopefully you will engage with chat and the Q&A feature. Um, so today's session, Will invited me to talk about uh, this important topic. I think all of us, to some extent or the other, may be feeling a bit of a pinch trying to meet our goals while also being mindful of resources. So, I mean, that hasn't changed it, uh, for years, although it does feel like it's more at the fore where we where we have to consider this a little more closely and be more mindful and um, budgets are essentially shrinking. So that's that's where we are. Um, I don't have to get into the reasons of why we, why we are where we are, um, whether you call it external landscape, demographic shifts, and you know all of that, or you call it some things that are can be done better internally, but I'm really going to focus on internal. Um, we as an industry can do some things about external, but I'm going to focus on internal. All right, so just a little bit about me in case we haven't crossed paths before. Um, I have um, been in higher ed marketing for over 20 years. That's really the only career I know. And that has its pros and cons, I suppose, but I love it. Um, it's been a, a year since I am in my current position, which is the University of Redlands in Southern California, um, where I am their CMO. Um, prior to this, I was at Purdue University and Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT, um, where you can see I held a variety of roles in the areas of marketing and enrollment. Um, always working in marketing, but always having a dotted line or some sort of relationship with enrollment. And so that's really where the intersection of recruitment and marketing is where my passion lies. Other passions include international education and animal welfare. So if I'm not working on um, work stuff. I am trying to get dogs off of the streets and off of uh, kill shelters. Um, and I'm a higher ed lifer. What can I say? Uh, I have done this all my life and I don't see that changing and down the road. Um, those are my um, LinkedIn and threads um, handles. Um, I am no longer on X, although I am on, I used to be on Twitter, but I have kind of scaled back from X. I have a profile there, but I don't check it. 
Um, disclaimer about the content today, it encompasses my point of view over what I have learned throughout my career. Like I'm talked about my intersection of recruitment and marketing being really the through line. Um, it's not, it's not about what my institution feels. It's about what I feel. Um, materials here are also confidential where I try to give examples of what we are doing. Um, although putting it in a webinar format, I, there's only so much confidentiality and anonymity I can, I can attribute. So let's get started. Um, we know that it's a changing landscape. And again, I'm not going to talk so mu much about that. You probably know this really well. But about marketing, I really want to talk about the challenges that we face constantly. Um, skills gap, right? We are always, um, at some point, we needed people to do a certain type of, have certain type of skills. Now we need people to have different types of skills and tomorrow we may need other types of skills. And so skills gap, always changing. Trust gap, definitive metrics, um, although those are getting better to attribute, but there still are gaps, how marketing directly impacts um, the bottom line. Power gap, um, which is, again, it's the gap is shrinking while uh, with more and more of us um, having a seat at the table. However, most of the people who determine customer experience or brand experience are not in marketing. It's, it's a touch point that a lot of other areas have. And so the gap between um, experience and promise is something that we are trying to always uh, grapple with. So again, more truth telling, budgets are shrinking. Uh, I started out with that. Um, it may not be again universal if you're a highly selective institution, um, if you have a large endowment, you know, there's, you know, this is not a universal statement, but this is really what I am seeing. Um, according to the Simpson Scarborough CMO study um, that they do annually, they talked about three out of four CMOs did not have the staff or budget to meet the expectations um, that are set before our shops and our teams. And that there have been so many cuts in budget and staff these days. Meanwhile, everyone takes on extra work and wears multiple hats with no additional compensation. So if you're feeling that, know that you're not alone. Know that it is a trend that is being observed across multiple institutions. And this study I know was uh, statistically significant in terms of trying to report out all the trends that we've seen in marketing. So I want to start with a quick poll um, with an understanding of how many of you know about your marketing budget. How many of you know what that is annually? Give it a couple seconds. It's a quick vote. I'm sure there's nuances there. I know my vote. I know the marketing vote. I don't know um, the school's vote. I know the school's vote. I don't know the central uh, vote. I know 
budget. I know the school's budget. I don't know the central budget. I mean, there might be nuances there, but let's see how we did. Okay, it wasn't as uh, much of a gap as I was expecting. So great start. Um, but I do think that there's opportunity to bridge that gap in the no category and we can I can speculate those reasons as to why you may not know your marketing budget, um, but we won't get into that. I just wanted to get a sense of the audience. So this session is titled Impact Positive, and I want to just spend a minute or, or more to talk about what we mean by impact. Impact really is understanding at an institutional level, what is your institutional impact that you're trying to make. But, um, those are typically articulated in a strategic plan. And in this particular session, I imagine those for, for most of you, if not all of you are defined by enrollment targets. Define incremental in impact. So impact that you're gonna make to get to those strategic goals. So in my case, I know I have to build out some key divisional KPIs uh, for marketing to ensure that those are laddering up to the strategic goals and impacts. And again, if you don't have those, this is the time to start thinking about them because you also want to think about it at an individual impact level. So what is the individual con contribution and what is your that team member's impact to mission, vision, and goals, because ultimately they all ladder up. Um, so I just want to spend a moment on individual impact um, because it, that happens less often and then I see it happen, then I believe it should happen. Um, because if you don't have this piece outlined, you're kind of missing sort of the the cascading effect of what it should what it should be at an institution level. Um, individual individual impact must ladder up to institutional impact. Um, no brainer there, but but that is important. Sorry if you hear my dog in the background. Um, so what do you um this is a chart on the right and i'm going to try and again explain this for our podcast listeners this is a gallup chart um if you're familiar with it that talks about employee engagement and how motivated employees are to do their jobs um it is a hierarchy about basic needs individual contribution teamwork and growth and at the teamwork level, which is uh, second from the top, it talks about uh, alignment with the mission and purpose of the company, or in this case, your institution. So if they don't feel that, then um, you are not going to see growth, which is the topmost aspect of this pyramid. So again, do they have their equipment and materials, which is the bottom one? Um, the second to last one is um, somebody encourages development, somebody who cares. Um, third, um, third one is committed to quality, connected to mission. And then the topmost one is growth. Um, 
So I try to do this with my team. I try to create individual goals um, basis on the basis of departmental goals, on the basis of institutional goals. For higher ed impact, I think this is an oversimplified version, but I would say as an individual, you're, con you're contributing to yourself, you're contributing to the institution, and you're contributing to industry as well. So sometimes there also might feel that disconnect that, okay, yeah, you're doing something for your institution, but are you changing and, and moving the needle for higher education as, a, as an industry because you really care about student success, whether that student success happens at your institution or at another institution is has less meaning to you than uh, the idea of student success, period. Um, and so I would say these are the three eyes for higher education impact assessment. For incremental, um, this is what I have started to use, and you may have seen this in other places. This has been um, something that a lot of the CMOs are starting to use. Uh, and so this is a source of, um, so what I'm referring to is the marketing maturity model. Um, Jamie Seaman at Chapman and Jamie Hunt at Old Dominion have talked about this in a couple of forums, Rob Zinken. Um, um, Dave Sontag from Gonzaga, um, all of whom are using marketing maturity models to talk about how they're making incremental impact going from a transactional relationship to a high-performing team, uh, to a high-performing um, mature organization. So I'm not going to go into the details of this. This can be its own session, um, but know that there are ways to map um, map incremental impact. Okay, so with that, I want to ground this in how I do, how, how I've done some of this work for University of Redlands. Um, grounding it in the strategic priorities. Um, the two R's for the U of R is what I call it. Um, we obviously call ourselves U of R, um, and the two R's we focus on are reputation and recruitment. Um, and there's a symbiotic relationship between the two. Um, reputation drives recruitment and, and a better recruitment um, outcome drives reputation. So I, it sometimes feels chicken and egg, but I'm of the opinion that reputation is always first. Um, however, um, it can it can also flow the other way. The other two R's that I did not include here for the purposes of this presentation and the audience that we are talking about today are retention and revenue. Um, I think revenue could be advancement, um, auxiliary, anything of that sort. The through line across all of this is for us is uh, focusing on DEIB is how are we elevating our reputation and being in, showing our inclusive um, inclusive brand? How are we recruiting a diverse mix of students? How are we retaining students who are maybe uh, more high risk um, and on maybe from certain economic backgrounds? And then how are we getting uh, revenue streams and, to then impact scholarships and things like that? Um, efficiency and effectiveness, this is always a tricky balance um, to meet, right? Um, 
For me, efficiency is really about achieving optimal outcomes with rationed resources. I mean, you might see a theme in my presentation around um, alliteration. I think we as marketers kind of get drawn to that. It just helps with memorability, um, but it's also sometimes fun to have a play, play on words. But in this case, uh, in most cases, when I use it, it's for an intended purpose, It's which is memorability. Um, optimal outcomes with rationed resources. Um, it is about doing the things right, but it's also about doing the right things, right? So it's, it's about doing things in the right way, not being wasteful about resources and making sure those are appropriately rationed. And then it's about doing the right things that have the most impact. So when resources are flat or declining and expectations are flat, never, <laughs> or increasing, then you have a state of these sleepless nights maybe that keeps you up at night. It's like, how am I supposed to add more to my plate uh, with the staffing that we have, the budgets that we have, what have you. So that that is the state of mind if that a lot of people in higher ed are feeling right now. So um, I won't be surprised with an answer to my next poll question, which is about, do you or your department have the human resources you need to accomplish your goals? So just focus on human resources. Okay, and uh, let's see what the audience poll tells us. Okay, um, great. Um, so six of you do have the staffing that you feel that you need, whether it's internal or external support. Uh, and 30 of you who responded, so that's 83% feel that you do not. I'm again, not surprised, but again, getting a sense of the room. So let's let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, when I came to University of Redlands, um, the resources were scattered, um, both human and financial. Um, marketing resources hardly ever sit in one area very cleanly. How you define marketing resources is also varies from institution to institution. So the first thing we established was a definition of what we meant by human and financial resources for recruitment marketing and brand marketing. And if they were doing more sales, we did not count them in marketing. So um, admissions counselors were not in um, were not part of this, but those who were in the admissions marketing or so buying lists and, and doing a search strategy, lead generation, creating names. So the way we define this was um, generating leads for top of the funnel and then doing any marketing or communications 
support for the rest of the funnel. The definitions can vary for different people. This is what we agreed to. Um, so the, the resources were scattered and uh, my charge was to really um, stay budget neutral, but move our needle. And so it's like, okay, you have the budget. We can't add anything, but we do want to increase X, Y, and Z. <laughs> um, so that's why the title of this presentation. Um, so how did I go about doing that? Um, first, transparency was key. Um, understanding everybody's budgets, how they allocated it for marketing, what was constituted as marketing. Again, we tried to define, do events belong in marketing or not? So once we got that foundational understanding, getting a transparency of who has what and how much. Um, this was a charge and charter for me as a cabinet member. So I rallied and others rallied um, and my president rallied um, information to help understand this piece. Then assessment. Assessment of what all of that meant. Um, let's look at how much is inside, how much is outside, what is uh, what is being spent in which category, how much is being spent in reputation, recruitment, um, etc. Some of sometimes it was both, sometimes it was pretty clean that there was no call to action. The way we define those is when the call to action is to just learn more about our institution or a program of study versus when the call to action is really apply, visit, um, inquire, et cetera. Using that as um, data, and I'll, I'll talk about this, but then creating that into um, um, data insights. Um, this is what I found. This is, these are the top line things that the assessment showed us. And that was something that I socialized with all the people in um, all the all my colleagues, with the president, with the board, with the teams. And then worked on allocation. Okay, now that I've found these insights, what would I do differently? How would I allocate these resources differently if I were to start over? So that was really my, what I'm um, calling sort of like, the tada. It's a very nervous tada if you watch Friends, um, um, which is like, okay, to the best of my knowledge and ability, here's what I have, here's what I have found, and here's what we are proposing. And it also obviously spells transparency assessment, data, and allocation. Um, so in in the transparency state, um the understanding of current state is imperative if you're asked to do more with less or more with same. I mean, you don't know what the current state is, then you cannot go. I mean, then you don't know where to go. Um, so, and, and this is a, a level of information that I equipped my team members with as well, our recruitment people with as well. It's like, okay, here's what I'm finding and here's why we need to do things differently. The reason for transparency, transparency leads to trust and trust leads to transformation. As I, 
when I talked about individual impact in the beginning, here's that person who's thinking, well, what difference does it make? Do other photos that I'm taking of XYZ are going to really do anything meaningful? Or if you have a coordinator role or even an administrative role um, that is a more of a support uh, person for your office, an office manager, etc. Whatever level of hierarchy they sit in, they need to understand what difference does it make. Um, because here you are trying to show transparency of results, transparency of enrollment, transparency of what we are seeing in application, but also transparency of budgets. Assessment. And I also added momentum. The idea of assessment is not to get bogged down in assessment. So you have to have the momentum piece with it. So assessment included for me, the landscape of current spend. I already talked about this. Um, the idea of you don't know where you're going until where you know where you've been, the idea of history, the idea of institutional knowledge, kind of seeking that from people who had been there before. Um, but also, you don't want to overly get bogged down by assessment because analysis process can become real and your recruiting cycle is not waiting for you to finish all this work, right? I mean, at, at a given point, you are always recruiting and marketing because of the number of cohorts you're trying to bring in at a given time. So you really have to figure out which foot will be on the pedal and which on the brake. Because um, you have you you want to have both feet on on each of them because you can't not um, pause to kind of understand what's going on for the long term approach and view that you need, but you cannot not keep your foot on the gas to say like okay we have to still we still have to do some of these things while we figure out this big picture. So here's here's my my brake and pedal um, at Redlands. Um, contractor analysis was something that I did with um, I my team. When I say I, obviously I didn't have all the time to do everything. Um, some of this was consultative. Uh, some of this was um, internal. Some of this was uh, um, in partnership with other people. Some of this was team members. Some of this was just me blocking four hours and just diving in. Um, so contractor analysis, we had 40 plus vendors that we categorized as marketing vendors. Again, definition here is gonna be critical. Who are your marketing vendors? Um, um, so that was a lot. Our institution has about 4,000 students for, for um, scale and scope um, reference. So that's a lot. That is a lot. And that was not because of any ill intent. It just happened because there wasn't a central apparatus that was looking at all of this. So everybody did their own thing because they had to. Um, so intentions were good, outcome not so great. Um, so the in the future, I what I said is no new contracts will be signed for marketing unless we are in the conversation. Allocation analysis internal. So we have uh, four schools and one college um, and making sure that 
those five areas, their marketing budgets, I wanted to understand that better. So that was more internal. Um, so no allocation was made in the, so this is again, future. In the future, no school or college can make that type of allocation without approval. Of course, a lot of this required getting buy-in, um, but this is where your data comes in. Um, and, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about what the insights showed. In the interim, which is where pedal or gas or whatever uh, uh, vehicle we are choosing, um, keep moving. Keep moving on current priorities. If you're doing this event, if you're sending out these many things, if you're doing a magazine, do it. Keep at it. But when there's renewal time, when there's a big order coming, things like that, let's pause, let's talk. We might find ourselves, yeah, we we are business as usual, or we might find ourselves, okay, no, this is the time. This is the time. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit faster as I'm looking at, speaking of time, um, data. Really looking at getting all the information about what is spent, how much is spent, where it's spent, what are the results, what's the output. Not just the output, what is the outcome? What would we save? And then if you don't have those at your fingertips, what are other institutions doing? Use secondary research, use niche, um, and see what they have to report on some of this. Um, also, when you have the data, talk about pilots. Um, hey, well, how about we pilot something like this? And that goes better than, than changing completely the status quo. Um, if you have a project management system or even Excel, that can be a source of data. How much time are you spending doing what? Um, and how many projects have you said no to because of lack of time? We are trying to track that as well in addition to making sure projects get executed because project management systems are not very agile, but we're trying to be agile in, the, in them. But we're also trying to understand a bigger picture of what we are trying to, what are we spending time on? And it's by no way mean it's supposed to keep track and be a big brother type of scenario. It's really just a scenario for us to understand better um, for, um, for efficiency purposes. So U of R data showed one vendor was taking on, you know, they had 47% in commission. I don't know how that even happened. Um, I think they were providing a lot of value add services and that's why I just categorized them as commission. Um, it wasn't just commission on media spend, it was just how much, how many dollars are going outside. Um, a photographer getting them for all of our things combined in a year. We, we had an external photographer um, that we had contracted. Um, and when I looked at how much we paid that photographer and their other photographers, uh, it was three times as much as it would cost me to insource that position. Um, doing the, all this math, 20% savings, um, which we could put back into the market. Um, and then competitive analysis demonstrated a need for having a social media manager. I mean, that felt like a no brainer, but I felt like I needed to substantiate that with this idea of like, okay, what is our analysis showing both internal and external and other insights?
Um, here's a quick uh, case study of how we, again, got into the right way of doing things. So there's brand marketing and there's performance marketing. Brand marketing, as you know, is about reputation. Performance marketing, in, in our case, is around recruitment. When I said we have to start with brand marketing, there was this like, okay, but we need students. We need students, right? And, and it's like, all right, let's start with recruitment marketing. So we started with recruitment marketing. Um, in the spring um, of 23, what we did is we started with performance marketing. We are like, okay, let's consolidate everything, find one, one partner of choice and do a sprint quickly to see what we can do uh, for a class of fall 23, whatever that means, class of fall 27, if it's a four-year institution. Then it showed that in that performance marketing, we also included a segment called University of Redlands. So we had a segment for undergrad, segment for grad, and segment for university. And we had a segment for professional schools. The university one was just facts. There was, there was no brand marketing per se, it was just facts. We have 100, we've been around for 100 years, we have 70 programs, et cetera. So we just introduced that segment. However, that segment performed better than any of the other segments. That segment drove more interests and leads to our um, professional schools, undergrad, grad, et cetera, all of the above than those specific targeted campaigns did. So here we come back. Now we're doing brand marketing. We went through a brand refinement process and now we are um, launching a new brand campaign next week. Um, so what started with me saying, we need a brand campaign. No, we have some immediate needs. Brand is more long-term. We need something short-term. We did a short-term. Here's how you can use data too. You, you do something that's been asked, you introduce a little bit of something that's not been asked, and then you see how that performs. And then now we are in a, a state, a status of doing both reputation and recruitment marketing because the market told us, we reported that out. And then we reallocated those budgets. Um, reallocation means you have to have a plan before you do reallocation understand what is needed for set plan, and then reallocate any savings that you've had to those priorities. Not the other way around. Oh, we found, we did all this consolidation and this and that. I'm gonna put it into this because then you're going to put it into the need of the hour as opposed to a broader strategy. Today, I think I need this, and that is not going to be a long-term solution. So quickly, um, savings were put into top line goals because we had a plan. Our outsourcing, insourcing dynamic changed. Um, like I talked about the social media manager and the photographer. Um, at another institution, um, and this is not about Redlands, at another institution, we actually did a, a, a reallocation of financial aid. The way we positioned this to the board was if you reallocate 1% of the financial aid to be 1% of our, you take that 1% of our financial aid and put it in marketing, 
instead of buying students, because then you have a retention issue, you will get students that are that have expressed interest because of your marketing efforts. And that those students hypothetically are going to re- re- enroll and retain. Um, and so um, that was the case made to reallocate. So this is not only internal marketing reallocation. This is a reallocation of saying, if you're going to give aid, can we look at a, a teeny percent of that aid and put it into marketing so that we are not purchasing students, we are persuading students, if that makes sense. All right, so just the last poll, um, do you or your department have the financial resources to accomplish? So this is about financial. Let's see, um, how do you feel about budgetary constraints or lack thereof? All right, it's a quick yes or no. Okay, Um, as expected, this one does feel like it is more of a pain point than human resources, although by a sliver, um, sometimes those are related too. So thank you for sharing that. So that's why you're here, I suppose, right? The the last thing I wanted, um, last couple of things I wanted to mention is how is your culture and leadership? Who do you have in your corner? Who thinks of marketing as an investment? Who will champion your leadership regardless of hierarchy? I'm a strong believer that you can lead from wherever you are. You don't have to be central. You don't have to be in the division or in the in the school, or you don't have to be one with enrollment, you don't have to be below somebody or above somebody, you can make change happen. Um, Is there an alignment on goals and priorities? Is there a good partnership between enrollment and marketing in the cases where those are different? Is the culture data-driven? Is the culture output-driven or outcome-driven? Is the culture reactive or proactive? here, these questions are critical in helping you assess how much change can be made as well um, with, with those resources that you said were very finite. So um, in my case, champions, my president, the board, they elevated this position to be cabinet level. At one point, it was under advancement. I'm sure it was under enrollment at another point. Um, so, it doesn't matter. The idea is there's value in the position. So I I talked about you can lead from anywhere, but if you have a voice that needs to be heard at the leadership and the culture level that is setting the stage, you want at least a cabinet level champion, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, but somebody who's championing your cause. Um, The culture that I created with my team last and my partners and all the partners last minute requests are exceptions not the norm the resources will have to be realigned Uh, strategic plan will translate to strategic priorities we will teach our partners how to fish so in the cases where we cannot help them uh, we will teach people to fish we will need to educate the educators about what it is that we will be doing and what it is that we won't um, and where you sit. And I already talked about this. 
So um, I'm going to skip this case study, but just a, a highlight is we did at an at a different institution. I did a mystery shopping exercise. I'll I'll just say at Purdue University, I did a mystery shopping exercise where I put my name on our own list. And Purdue being as big as it was, I started to get materials from them, from a, a whole bunch of them. And this was way back when, like more than a decade ago. And what we found is a lot of the pieces looked the same. A lot of the pieces um, overlapped. Um, there was just a lot of inefficiencies and there was no consistency in branding, none of that. So that was sort of a way for me to, I was a marketing consultant. I was probably one of the most junior level person in that organization. Um, but because I had admissions as my beat, I did this. I just put my name there. I, I worked with a student to kind of help me kind of map this out. And I took it to my cabinet leader and voila, we had some reallocation of resources. Um, free versus free. I mean, this is a this is always a conundrum. But thinking about what has a fee that can be free, um, AI is a great example right now for that. That can show ROI, have broader scope. If it has a fee, can you put more within that? Uh, if it has a fee, how how are you measuring? If it's free. What can you leverage further? If it's free, why aren't pe more people taking advantage of it? Professional development, right? If it's if it's if it's a if it's an issue, why aren't more people signing up for uh, niche webinars, which are free um, and such? So there, here's a whole list of things that market Marcom people have that you can categorize into free and fee. Um, everybody does it differently. Again, it depends with, between in-source and outsource. Uh, but once you understand what has a fee and what has what is free, that's when you start to kind of move those levers and work within the same parameters. Tools and talent. You cannot have tools without talent. You can't have talent without tools. If you have tools at your disposal, do you have talent to optimize those tools? If you have talent at your disposal, that was again pre-existing something that you know those roles already existed. Do you have tools to equip them better or reclassify that talent? The Simpson Scarborough study showed that higher ed allocates more than half of its entire budget to talent, i.e., labor. This is more than double of what corporate does. Why is that the case? Because we all because we, we are not able to find efficiencies and we're not leveraging tools appropriately, partly. There are other answers that I can go into about how higher ed is structured and versus how corporate is structured that I'm sure you all can speak to as well. Would you give a painter a canvas and no paintbrush, right? Would you have a map without the ability to read it? So focus on that half that you need and and make the half whole before you try to create something new altogether. So in my case, when I have a social media manager, I want to make sure he has a content publishing tool so he can be quick. Uh, when I had a photographer, definitely give him photo equipment, obviously, but golf cart. <laughs> he was able to get around campus so fast and build such a big library. It's crazy how much some of these little things can add up in terms of productivity and output. 
some, and sometimes in outcomes. And this is the other way around. We had the tools and like site improve and GA4. We hired a web student to take all the site improve things and just fix, start fixing those things. Like a site having grammatical errors, a site having a broken link, he could do that. GA4, we hired an analyst, but that is always not the case. So we partnered with enrollment. Uh, enrollment had a slate person who all he did was reporting. And what we said was, can he do a reporting between web and slate so we can see the full picture? So we used the same resource, gave him a little bit of a bump. So it was helpful for his individual thing, individual growth as well. But it did not create a whole new thing about how are we going to do this without a new FTE line. Um, and, and so that's how that worked out. And um, start and stop. We have a stopping problem. Everything is additive. What can we do if we cannot stop? Well, how about giving them other options, right? Reassigning students, training, delaying, is this urgent, et cetera, et cetera. Canva, Canto, like all these tools. A, um, Chat GPT, what can we equip people with? And here is a quick case study of the stop exercise I did with my team. Um, but this was with my team. So then how do we socialize? Okay, if we are going to stop doing fact sheets for every new program or every program or update your curriculum on facts, let's create a Canva template and people can do those updates on their own. So in summary, I would say impact has to be tied to the bottom line, yes but the bottom line has to be tied to the mission. Otherwise you're gonna lose people's intent to work, work smarter, work harder. I'm sure everyone's working hard, but work smarter and, and, and go towards that growth section of the pyramid. Transparency breeds trust, that breeds creativity, problem solving and, tra and transformation. The more you can share about how we are doing, how the institution's doing, how that individual is contributing, the more transformation will happen even within those resources. Data is your best friend. Um, culture and leadership have to recognize the value in prioritization. So part of this is going to be out of your control. I'm, I'm afraid to say if your culture and leadership is not aligned with this idea of we have to do what's in the best interest for our recruitment goals, then we have a bigger problem. Um, Students and faculty are untapped resources. When I did the brand and marketing project, I, I asked for a marketing faculty to help in that process and they were more than happy to do that. Our English professor, she's a great champion right now for our website content. They don't have time, but they have interest. And, and so it just helps with so many things. Students, of course, they're always looking for experience and sometimes they know more than we do, to be honest. Tada can help you do more with the same. So this idea that I went through with transparency, assessment, um, data, and um, allocation. Free tools are designed for efficiency. Take inventory of those and look at free versus free. Everything cannot be additive, but it can be reallocated. Resources can't will always be finite. I have yet to hear any situation where resources are like, oh yeah, we have everything we need. <laughs> but look for ways to be resourceful. Um, and that's 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 something I would I would want to part with. And then lastly, if you can't find your purpose in don't forget yourself. 
if you cannot find your purpose in a given day because of the daily grind, make it to look after yourself. You probably know this, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so look after yourself so you can look after your area, your department, your institution. And that's all I have for today. All right. Thank you. Uh, I've had a few people ask uh, if this is being recorded. Yes, it is. Uh, we'll be sending that out uh, next week. You'll get the recording. Uh, we'll be all set there. If there's any questions about the presentation, uh, feel free to drop those in the questions, and I'll moderate those in just a minute here. But thank you so much for the time today. I know it's it's end of the day for people on the East Coast. Uh, I appreciate uh, all the information that was shared. Getting some good feedback there. Uh, yeah, th this was fantastic. I think my one question to you is, if someone kind of feels in that, okay, I, I keep having to do more with less, what's a good starting place? Where, where Where's the one thing they can do yet this week to get things kick-started? Yeah, great question. I mean, it depends on where you, who you are and what you are doing. However, I think it starts with in the morning, think about what you need to accomplish today or think about what you need to accomplish this week to move the needle um, and, and, and start to create that sense of um, understanding data better. Um, I think that can start all the time. I think we all just need to do that um, almost as a daily routine. Um, and so if that's not something that you you started diving into, and again, I'm talking about your individual and incremental impact um, points, identify those um, so mm -hmm. you know uh, where you are and what you're doing and, and, so, and, and have those conversations. Um, partnerships are great. Relationships matter. Students are amazing. So Look at all your, I mean, there's just so much you can start with depending again on where you, what your function is. Um, if your function is always been in data, then that point might be moot. You might just start with, okay, what am I, what am I doing to optimize my time with all this data coming at me? Should I be looking at some free resources to get people the reports they need? Should I just set up Google Data Studio, Looker Studios? Mm -hmm. You know, what is that one step I can take to automate something a little bit differently. I hope you have a great end to the day and, and a great weekend. Thank you, Will, for the invite. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And I am reachable if you have some specific questions. Great. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.